0: Welcome to our live bike shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That feels surprisingly good. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. We have Eric passing on as a guest. Hi, Hel- Aaron. Hello. Hi, Derek. Hi, Sean. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Hi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what do you guys think about Action Cable?
2: Well, I thought that since this is live, that means that uh, I've always wanted to do live broadcasting so that I can... Um, get naked and run around and no one, no one can do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that because I'm pretty sure
0: that is against the code of contact.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Action Cable?
0: Do we, do we actually want to talk about Action Cable? Have you been talking about it all all week and are tired of it?
2: I'm tired of tweeting about it. <laughs> Especially since I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's interesting Like how your tweet yesterday was like I'm on Rails core and I've never seen this thing before.
2: Uh, Apparently it got mentioned in Campfire once, but that was it. I don't think we actually talked about whether or not it would go in or anything like that, but yes, it is interesting. Interesting. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. Air quote, interesting. (laughs) What can you do, right,
0: if if a feature is decided and they decide that they think it needs to be extracted from Basecamp
1: and then we don't talk about it, I guess? But I think, I mean, it's hard to have a conversation about a feature that's like being built as, like, a major feature of Rails 5 that nobody has seen. Like, we can't comment on, like, we were talking earlier to Sam Saffron about it, and Sam was like, well, he's been working with WebSockets, and there were all these problems with it, and he fell back to long polling because it was much more reliable, right? And, like if you can't look into the implementation of these things we have no basis to have a real conversation about these things we just have vaporware at this point
2: honestly the good news is i i talked to dhh about it last night and the it sounded like he se- he seemed okay with just making it a dependency in the gem file when you actually install rails like it just goes into the gem file like rails doesn't actually depend on it i mean Yes, it'll be another thing you have to delete from the gem file when you <laughs> create a new project, but at least there's no hard dependency on it. So,
0: so then now what we're left with is new Turbolinks and other thing that is basically going to be treated the same way as Turbolinks.
2: What was the other thing?
0: Action cable. Action cable. Uh, if, if, we're tr- if we're saying that, like, it's going to be broken and then we're just going to remove it, but we can, and that's a good thing, but then that's literally so we have more turbo links and more turbo links. Do you guys not use turbo links? No,
1: we don't use turbo. Do
2: you, you use, use t- turbo links?
1: I have never tried it. I've only heard problems with it, so I can't speak from experience. Do you use turbo links? No, I don't use turbo links. Okay. I was just <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody in this room use turbo links?
0: Okay. Well, okay. we got a couple. All right, we got a couple. Okay. Right.
1: We're going to talk to you guys after. Yes. Pjax. Yeah, yeah. P-jacks. I
0: mean, like, if you if you actually want that specific behavior and you want to be explicit about it, something like Pjax is a really good solution. Like the the API that one of the APIs they showed where the server actually like was able to with the change and then an ID, but in in the view and in the markup there was absolutely no indication that it was going to be a partial page update or that that was even possible. I'm just imagining that the Stack Overflow questions coming in from new developers because that just is very implicit magic behavior that completely changes. The meaning of your app, and I, I from the if if you're doing something wrong and weren't expecting, I can just see that being my form stopped working. and I can't tell why, and there's nothing and there's nothing in the view or around where the form is being built that would indicate that that would happen.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't care, man. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, I I mean,
1: so you, Sean, you were saying like, okay, so great, Rails five is going to be these two things that people are going to pull out of the gem file. That's fine by me if there's also all this other stuff we we're talking about, like. Active record gets a little bit better through some attributes API stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Performance gets better through some stuff that Aaron talked about this morning. like what's wrong with that? Those are the marketing features, but then everybody else gets all these other features. That sounds great to me
2: yeah i'm I'm actually fine with it honestly if this if this cable thing is just part of the gem file and something else that we can just remove if you want to, I don't care.
1: That seems like a great way for any major new feature to enter Rails. It's like in the gem file first. yeah, Or as a gem, then maybe in the gem file, then maybe in Rails. But
2: Honestly, I think it would be better if we, in order to enter Rails, it would be much better if we copied like uh, the Ember pattern, which is submit an RFC for it. And you have to actually, even the core team members have to submit RFCs for it and actually discuss it publicly and stuff. I mean... I'm not really excited about including this thing. That's like, hey, we've got this thing, and nobody's seen it before. It's only a, it's only inside of Basecamp, and then we're just going to like throw it up on GitHub. And good luck. Woo! Yeah.
1: Has that RFC thing been discussed before and just shut down, or is this something we're going to discuss now? Uh,
0: it'll never happen. Yeah, I, I can never see that getting through. <laughs> That'll okay. never happen. Um, but no, it, w- it would be. It would be. I think. Uh, I think one of the issues with that pattern, though, is that it, it does lead to kind of. Really turning it into waterfall API design, and we, and bike shedding on like what the external API looks like before getting into the actual implementation of the thing.
2: Well, but I think that's where the core team members come in. Is like we can say like if other people are coming along and bike shedding on the thing, it's like no, we don't care. I, it doesn't matter. Okay, fair the enough. Peanut, the peanut, don't listen to the peanut gallery, right? <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. that's yeah, let's, more let's fun. Talk about something less depressing. <laughs> what are you excited about? What am I ex- Me? Yeah. You know. I great. don't know. What are you excited about? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm really excited about. You ready? Yes. Happy hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that is the great thing, is that there will be beer after... No, so I'm excited about the performance stuff that I've been working on, especially delete. I'm really excited about deleting, (laughs) deleting controller tests uh, just because I want less code in there. I'm also fairly excited about, well, not fairly. I'm very excited about the um, template caching stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. If we can get around the challenges that I was talking about in my talk, if we can get around those things, I think that'll be like a very huge win, especially for folks who are running on like. Uh, low-memory places like maybe Heroku, for example.
1: Right. I mean, when you talked about that this morning, I kind of assumed that's how <laughs> this always worked. So I was no. surprised to learn that we're constantly compiling.
2: Yeah, like, it's, it's actually pretty interesting because when people think, like, oh, we're doing eager loading, you know, we eager load our application, they think, oh, we're eager loading the entire thing. When that's a- not actually true. We're eager, loading, we're eager loading all of your models and stuff, all the library code that we can, but as far as views are concerned, no, not at all.
1: All right. So the, so the, the for people who haven't seen the talk yet, the listeners on this who may not have seen the video.
2: Should I explain? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So basically, the problem is that Rails always lazily compiles your views. So if you have ERB or Haml templates, those things don't get turned into Ruby. This is, the, the templates get turned into Ruby and they're evaluated, but that process doesn't happen until a request comes in. So when a request comes in, then we look for the template that needs to be rendered. And then at that point is when we we look and see has it been turned into ruby yet if not we turn it into ruby and then we evaluate that ruby and then run the template so the problem with that is if you're uh... if you're running a threaded web server we actually have to lock there because it's a race condition we we have to do a check and then a check and then compute Mm -hmm. right now the other problem is that if you're running a forked server you're repeating work among all the child processes so that evaluated Ruby is loaded into memory and that's repeated across all the child processes which means that you're wasting memory because we could have been doing it in the parent process and then sharing that among all the the children so what we're talking about for Rails 5 is essentially getting it so that we can compile all those templates in advance so that hopefully threaded servers won't have to lock anymore because it will always be 100% cache hit uh, and forking servers will get uh, memory reduction because they'll be able to share uh, memory with the parent process.
0: You know, I wonder once we once we get that done, or even even I guess in parallel, because I'm wondering if there are other low hanging fruit in in views in particular that we might be able to tackle, like uh, partials, for example. When you extract them, right, certainly have a cost as opposed to if you had just had that markup inlined. And it seems like when you're not doing polymorphic rendering, we should be able to at compile time actually just inline them for you, and that would potentially, depending on depending on how you structure your views, could actually be a big win.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm always I ignore the partial penalty. Like I just yeah. like my dream partial is one that has like one line, and I'm like, great, this is great. Keep extracting partials, keep going. Yeah, but I, I do that too. I think yeah. it's fine. You yeah. should.
2: You should. Right, come on. We just, so we should just get rid of the. <laughs> I liked your penalty. thing.
1: Like you were talking about how locals are the problem in this pre-compiling the views thing, and you were like, I want to be very clear here.
2: Keep using you're locals, right? Because
1: yeah, right. <laughs> right, I think people can hear this and be like, "Oh, I'm never going to use this again because it's a problem or whatever."
2: Yeah, it's a, but it's a, it's an implementation detail, right? It's not it's none of your business. You shouldn't know that. You don't need to know. You don't need to care. That's something we'll deal with, and then your stuff will just get automatically faster. Yeah. Now I have to admit, like these new features that DHH was talking about—the cables and the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the turbo links and stuff. I sometimes like part of me is afraid that it's just a gut reaction towards I hate new features. Yeah. <laughs> I mean You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm a performance guy mm-hmm. and when I use a rail like when I use Rails and I'm building an application, I'm like, ah oh, it has everything I need. What do I need this cable crap for? Mm-hmm. What is this for? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then as soon as I hear it, we get this new stuff, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to refactor that. Right. That's the first thing that's the first thing I think is like uh, I wonder how much i'm going to have to do? How much work is this going to cause me what's the performance issues? What am I going to have to handle with this so i don't know how to um, reconcile that with myself is Is it just like a knee jerk reaction that I hate new things or
0: i mean i don't know why is there why is there this assumption that we do have to have new features i mean we We do not exactly have a stable platform to build on. We have gems breaking every version, and part of that's because our internals are still a mess in a lot of really important places and every, every new thing coming in that touches every other file and ultimately ends up disrupting a lot of the work that you do on performance and that I do on, for performance and maintainability, like that it, it can be disruptive to it. And I think that the majority of users of Rails are in the same mindset of you. It's just, why do we need this? I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I mean, I think you're right in that that might be the knee-jerk reaction to new features, but I think a lot of people
1: potentially share that.
2: Well, at the same time, we still need to push the framework forward. I mean, like... What does that mean?
1: But you can do that. Like The new features to me that are interesting are like... I'll be able to use or in active record. That's great. That's a new feature to me. I'm happy about that. Like, there was, in Rails 4, there was none. None was helpful. Like, all these things are new features. Like, we don't need a new gem with an action name in order to be yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's a it's
2: Rails 5, man. I, yeah. So, Rails 5, let me tell you, Rails has not been in its prime since Rails 3. Ah. Oh. <laughs>
1: sorry that was bad that was terrible (laughs) when did you come up with that one
2: Oh man, that one's, bit, that one's been up here for quite a while. I was, to find, I was trying to find the right time to say it. I was trying. I was considering whether or not to put that in my list of opening puns.
1: Those were good. I thought you were going to come back to those. I thought you were like, I'll uh, later. I'll just scroll through some more of these. if I start to start to look no, out. No,
2: I thought I thought people were getting tired of them. I tell the first one, yeah, it's just crickets. I'm like, it's nine in the morning, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, anyway, but sorry. Those are my <laughs> new, anyway, those
1: are my kind of new features, like just little things. There's so much little stuff that can make my life better day to day developing Rails applications. Whereas the action cable thing, like maybe it'll actually be something I use. I don't know, but it doesn't well, I mean, uh, solve an obvious. When problem I anymore.
2: think when I think about pushing the framework forward, I think about things like um, HTTP two, yeah, things like yes. that. So. Yeah, but we don't
0: we don't need like a new big shiny thing to support HTTP two. I mean, is there any application facing changes that or impact of HTTP two other
1: than server push?
2: Besides server push, no.
1: Does would like if you had full HTTP two compatibility places like things like concatenating your assets and stuff go away? Right, but that, but that's
0: you still you still just include all of your JavaScripts and we have you know the manifest it be it in the same form we have now or in a separate new file what have you,
1: but. Maybe is a one-line change. Sure. What else do we need to do for http two? <sighs>
2: I need to finish work on rack.
1: Rack, yeah. <laughs> was it, I think you were talking a while ago about rack, the problem of the stat, like stack like stacked depth. Was that you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. talking about that. Stack depth stack depth issues has gone away with uh, Ruby one nine and up, but not from a debuggability standpoint. The performance the performance impact is not there anymore, but as far as figuring out what the can I can I use swear words on this? You can, and we will bleep you if we don't like them. <laughs> what the hell is By the we, application we doing? What is the, what the do hell it. is the application doing? You see that whole <laughs> stack? You like puts call. So I'm a really terrible debugger. Okay, okay? let me tell you how I, I debug things. I go in and I do puts puts hi mom and then see if the code actually executed and then i'll do like puts caller and then i look at the stack trace and like follow through it but when you do that inside of a view or something it's like <laughs> i'm like i remember being a j2ee developer <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it would be nice to get nice to get rid of that stuff but it's not really the call stack which is such an issue anymore it's the fundamental design of rack just doing call 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 Will not work with HTTP two. We just cannot use that. It is not a pattern we can use. I mean, so are we going to try and maintain uh, RAC, or like Rack one middleware
0: compatibility? Because you're right. I mean, like the the synchronous single synchronous request response cycle uh, API is going to have to die eventually.
2: Uh, I think we can. So I think we can. Basically, the idea is, um, or my proposal for it, and what we what I've been working on so far is. Essentially, you hand an object to the server, and then the server calls a method on it, right? Uh, And it just passes a request and a response. And we could keep the method the same as today, just call it call or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't want to do that because I want to be able to detect that somebody has given me an old a Rack 1.0 oh type thing, so I want to call it something else, maybe, I don't know, like serve or something like that, some sure. method, so that when you give me the object, I can say, like, hey, do you respond to call, and is the arity of call 1? <laughs> if so, it's probably, it's a good sign that you may have passed me a Rack 1.0 uh, thing, and I think what we can do is, if you give me a Rack 1.0 middleware, I can convert the request object into a into a hash, hand it off to you, and then possibly do some shenanigans to keep passing it around.
0: And so you say, you're saying request objects, so are we going to have a real request uh, and response object instead of the end hash and the array of three elements? Yes, that's right.
2: Yes! Yeah, I can't Thank remember
0: you. the order of those things. Or,
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Am I really just indexing into these things? That's, uh, that's
2: great. yeah.
0: Do you think we're, we're going to keep the uh, CGI-style <laughs> header conversion, though?
2: Oh, I'm sure we'll keep that for backwards compatibility, but I, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Rack is quirky yes it is so i 'm actually really excited about this type of API because it means we can stick stuff on the request that should be on the request, like yeah. stuff that should go there can go in there instead of jamming it into a hash and being like "Oh maybe it 's in there let 's check for a key and then, oh no there 's no key and then you't know <laughs> then you don 't know whether or not like oh, maybe it was supposed to set it before, or maybe I have the ordering incorrect or um, you don't know. You don't know what's going on. There's so many problems with that. It's like, okay, if you need to debug anything, how do you tell? How do you tell when this effing hash key <laughs> was supposed to be set? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. <laughs> when I okay, I'm gonna admit this. I will admit this. I used to be a J2EE developer. <laughs> The, I, I hear the live audience, like, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> oh, man, how did that happen? And then, so I came to Ruby, I came to Ruby, and it was fine. I was doing Rails stuff. It was great. And then I remember Rack came out. I used Rails before Rack came out. Rack came out, and it was like, hey, you get an NFASH And I was like, how is this different than CGI? CGI was the worst, because I also used to be a Pearl. I was a Pearl developer before I was a J2E developer, and I'm like, that was (laughs) the worst. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Is there something, the thing is, though, at the time that it came out, I was new at Ruby, and I was like, well, I don't know if I was new at Ruby. I felt not confident, and I thought to myself, well, they must know what they're doing. Whoever wrote this knows what they're doing. I do not know what I'm doing, so I will assume that, yes, some env hash is like, that's fine. Right. That's fine. But now I'm like, no, that's stupid. So I guess, basically, the message that I want to pass on to people is, you are probably not wrong. (laughs) <laughs> right. If something seems weird, it probably is. Everything's made by people just like you. Yes. So <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> How do we solve that though? Because I think for a lot of developers, like they they see Rails as this big scary. I mean, it is a big scary thing, but they they assume like if they see something that that, that is confusing or that they, but that's wrong. And, and but it it actually probably is wrong. Like it, Rails isn't smarter than you. It's just a big legacy code base written by normal human beings. Uh, how do we how do we get that message out there besides this? <laughs> yeah, I
2: was gonna say I think you just did it
0: okay fair <laughs> enough
1: you keep asking us how to say things right after you just said them very eloquently, so yeah. fair enough
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I think it's a problem, like it harms our ability to get to gain uh new contributors, and I think Part of the reason certain files are the way they are is because it's been years upon years of people have a bug, and they go into the file where the where the bug happens, and they apply a Band-Aid. But then pe- nobody like ever feels, I don't know if it's because they don't have time or if because they don't feel qualified, but then things go too long without, like, does this piece of the code, does the architecture of it still make sense with what Rails is today or what, what this module is trying to accomplish today?
2: Well, I think, uh, in my opinion, that's, it's just lack of time, in my opinion. Okay. Like, doing the stuff like doing any sort of deep refactoring or deep architectural changes you have to invest time into doing that and a lot of the people who are sending in patches like they just ran into a bug in their application and they need to get their app working right yeah. they need mm-hmm. to get their app working and move on to the next task they don't have time to sit there and be like well is this the right way to do it i just need to get my bug fixed and move on right right yeah. so and
1: the other part of it at least for me like when i go in there and i see a bug and i'm like oh i'm gonna submit a patch to fix this like, the last time I did that, I remember seeing, like, gross duplication in these two different places. And I was like, I could clean this up. And the code was also really hairy. And I was like, yeah. I could definitely clean this up pretty easily. But, like, I don't know all of the reasons the code exists in this way. right? And I do not have the time to figure out why and, like, chase down which test failures. And more importantly, if I get the test suite green and somehow that doesn't catch everything, I'm going to feel really bad when this goes to production and people are like, this broke this. Right, and I'm gonna feel like I had incomplete information. So I, I feel like I need more. I need like it gets back to the time. Like I've got to get. Yeah. I really feel like I can't just do something in a day when it's something like that. I'm gonna need to spend several days
2: to like. So this is, in my opinion, this is why I wish there are more companies who are willing to foot the bill to just pay someone to work on this stuff because if yeah. you don't have time if you don't pay someone to just focus on doing that particular thing, they're not going to be able to figure out the architecture or figure out how to improve the code base. We're just going to be getting more bug fixes, more bug fixes, you know, hacks on hacks on hacks. And the development style of, well, it works for me, you know, it works for our application, isn't ever going to get you any of the any of the architectural changes that we need in the code base. Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to pay for
0: it. The attributes API took me almost a year and i was full-time for about half of that and it's i still have more work to do on it never would have been able to get that done if it was just nights and weekends and fridays it like you, it's you lose too much focus when you can't spend the, the big big chunks of time on it
2: i don't know how we would start doing something like that but it would be nice if there were more companies who were like yes let's pay someone to work on race right. yeah. we
1: get like we get the friday time at thoughtbot which is yep. great but like the larger changes where you're gonna you're like i need three days here like. Am I going to work Saturday and Sunday on this as well? Right. Or am I just going to work Friday and then next Friday and then forget about it on the third Friday because now I've, I've lost all my context and I'm disheartened.
2: And also it's happy hour. Yeah, yeah, and also. like, yeah. Friday happy hour. I'm yeah. done with this. <laughs>
1: Tom, how are we doing on time? Should we start the Q&A soon? Uh, got about
0: 15 minutes. Okay, cool. So wait, 15 minutes until happy hour? 15 minutes until, until q Oh, oh wow, wow, okay, wow, Okay, wow, gotcha. Oh, you got uh, Oh. <laughs> we are, like, really prepared. Wow. So, what should we talk
2: about next? So, how's Nekotune going for you? Uh, good. I've got a lot of cats. I've collected a lot of cats. Um, <laughs> Derek looks very confused. We what are you explain. talking
0: about? Have you seen the Twitter, the cat game? This is the cat game. This is the cat, cat game. With the bags yeah. over the head. For the record, yeah. everybody who does not have this cat game is lame. Okay. This cat game is awesome. Okay. So you
2: you basically what you do is you set up your you set up your backyard with a bunch of cat toys and then cats come and play with them mm-hmm. and then you get fish and then you use the fish to buy more stuff for the cats to play Who with. Who gives you the fish? Where the do the cats do. Leave <laughs> the fish? Yeah,
1: that doesn't that doesn't seem <laughs>
2: seems
1: like it does, the it's not supposed the to fish. make sense. Okay. okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, <laughs> this is a game.
2: <laughs> the cats give you fish. You buy stuff. You buy toys for the cats. and you then, buy and you buy then stuff with the fish. With the fish. Okay. Yep. And then the cats keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: I do, is this one of those games where it's going to be like, you could just buy 500 fish? Yeah, you, can, one of you, those
2: can, yeah, you can if you want to, but so far I haven't. I mean, I haven't really seen it. It, it hasn't really seemed necessary. I mean, the cats seem to leave a lot of fish. So. <laughs> As cats tend to. Normal cat-like behavior. <laughs> um. So the other things that I've done here at the conference are I've traded Pokemon. You wouldn't believe how many Pokemon I've leveled up. It's really great. Okay. What else have I done here? I went up to the bar that spins around, and that That's was a great exciting. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and and
0: the, and the waitress when they saw your keyboard and they had never seen anything like it.
2: Oh yeah, they really enjoyed my keyboard. They're like, yeah. I really enjoy your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only problem I have with the spinning bar is one, I got kind of dizzy, and two, I was afraid I'd get lost. You get up, you go to the bathroom, you come back, your seat's not there. you got to yeah, walk all the way around. Yeah, you got to walk all the way around. And yeah. I come out, and I'm like, so the bar is spinning clockwise, right? And so I'm like, well, obviously the most efficient way to find my seat, counterclockwise. counterclockwise <laughs> <Right. so." laughs>
0: yeah. uh, last night, uh, Derek found this piece of paper just sitting on, on the little side thing, and it was just RailsConf 2015, and then there was a column that says test, and another one that says RSpec, and people were just checking off their preference as their table went by. And then putting high. it back on the railing. Like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's that was, funny. That was good. Was That's good funny. U- it was a good use of a spinning bar. It was a very good use of a spinning bar. <laughs> All right, what's our next topic? Come on, topics. Topics. Uh, I mean, do you want to explore the full-time open source
0: thing more? We, I mean, do we have, do we have ways that we, can, that we can move the community towards this?
1: No. Uh,
2: okay, <laughs>
1: moving on then. I mean, I really don't know. Like how, how do the companies that you're working at do it?
2: Well, my company is an open source company. So
1: everybody's doing full-time open source?
2: Yes. <laughs> Just okay. not, yes.
1: But you're selling yes. something at
2: some level. Yeah, we are. Well, I mean, it's, I work at Red Hat. Right. We sell selling lot lots of things. Yeah, we, right. sell a lot, we sell a lot of stuff. That cloud
1: thing you work on, that gets yes. sold.
2: But everything is, everything is open source there. So uh, the thing is, I mean, the trick is you might not be able to dedicate all of your, I mean, everything is open source. It's just that maybe you have to dedicate your time to some particular open source project that is not Rails. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So...
0: Ruby Together is taking good steps.
2: Yeah.
1: Ruby Together? Yeah. Andre yeah. Arcos is anything? Yeah, so that's like uh, you can pledge some money as a company or as an individual. Yeah. And you get some recognition for that, and then it sponsors some, s- is it specific work? Or is it like it sponsors somebody to work on something they like? Or how's it work?
2: I don't know. Do you know? I do know. I am on the board of Ruby Together, so I can tell you. Okay. There we go. It seems to sponsor some work, but the problem is that the work is not its not very specific. So it's basically sponsoring Andre to work on bundler and rubygems.org, but the projects that he's working on aren't really stated on the website, so we're trying to, get, we're trying to work on transparency with that so that people who donate to the projects will know exactly what they're getting for their money. But it's essentially just him working on those infrastructure things.
0: But, and then he's going to continue to choose what he works on, and this is it, to give transparency into that, right? Not to give the companies control over yes, what he works yes, on. Yes, yes,
2: yes, exactly, exactly. So the point, the point of the nonprofit is essentially to have a place to put money that basically no corporate interests can influence right. what uh, he works on.
0: So that's, always, that's always the big fear, right, is that with full-time open source, all of a sudden, like, now we have Microsoft deciding the future of Rails, and they're just going to kill it because they want .NET to win. <laughs>
1: As long as you're using Azure Cloud Services, TM, I don't think they care. Can you even deploy Rails to Azure?
2: I can assure you you can. They're here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if that's true, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a good fun. <laughs> so are you exploring any other languages at all? <coughs> tried Rust yet? I have tried Rust. Also chicken scheme, which I talked about last year I think. Yep. And the year before, because chicken scheme's amazing and you should use it. Are you still doing chicken scheme? Yes. Have you published any popular eggs yet? Um I have published the only YAML egg. Uh what else? What other ones did I do? Oh I did one that controls LEDs on your laptop so you can like flash LEDs and stuff. Oh, that's But cool. nothing like I don't know, nothing like You haven't
0: made Rails for, for scheme?
2: No, we already have one. So Chicken already has a Rails for Scheme, and it's called Awful. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: Awful one. as in like the meat, right? What? O-F-F-A-L? No. no. A- oh, okay. oh, I thought terrible. this was I thought this was a food pun or something.
2: No, no, no. Too okay. many pun- I can't follow any of these. <laughs> <I'm> okay. <out. laughs>
1: We've been doing Haskell a little bit at Thoughtbot. Yeah? Any experience with of that?
2: It. Yeah, I tried using GHC, but I found it to be a bit of a Haskell. <laughs> set you up for oh. that one. Okay. Q&A yeah. time? <laughs> Let's go to Q&A. And, and a time. Sorry, my attention span is about like that. No, it's
3: good.
1: Since uh, two of you have seen... Dark parts of the Rails code base, Are there things off the top of your head that you're like, someone should go look at that, but lack of time kind of thing? Like, like the things you would say to the audience now and to the Bike Shed podcast, like, hey, if anyone has time, like, off the- no pressure. I mean, like,
0: <laughs> associations are definitely a thing that need to be completely reworked. That said, it is a big scary code monster, and I'm not sure it's necessarily where you want to go if you are new to the codebase. But that's what comes to my mind as, like, a big scary thing that I want to really, really take a hard look at but haven't had time.
2: What's the part
1: that you feel is, like, scary or bad about, like, the problem in it? Because I've, like, dug in there to, like, debug associations and it's just, like... I haven't been enough to look at it and see, like, oh, that should be fixed or changed.
0: Uh, I would say the biggest one is how we calculate what tables we're joining onto, which I'm not even entirely sure I fully understand that code, but uh, that really, really needs to get reworked. And then just the the general structure of it. It's one of those files where I frequently find myself having a hard time finding where the actual logic I want lives. And I'm I'm a fan of indirection, but uh, I I still think that when when it's just...
2: Something that stood out to me as we should fix it
1: <laughs> thank you
2: I would say, in my opinion, where I think people should jump in is to fixtures, yeah, working yeah. on fixtures what about it uh, so basically, like the stuff I was talking about in my talk about splitting up splitting up databases and stuff, uh, the problem is with. So for the people who haven't seen my talk listening, basically what I want to do is have automatic parallel testing against multiple databases. So we would just spin up a few databases and then run, so say we spin up four databases and we run four processes against, one against each of the databases. The problem is that the fixture, the code that loads fixtures into the database happens so early it's almost impossible to configure against another database, right? So since it happens so early, we can't, it's very difficult. We're going to have to refactor that in order to be able to support, like, okay, spin up a database and then load fixtures into those or load fixtures into one database and then copy them over. It's just too, it's too tightly coupled. Uh,
0: another good one, actually. Just thinking of things that would be good for people to kind of get their feet wet, but make like bigger contributions. The the code that Derek was talking about earlier is still it, that's probably a really low hanging fruit. It's just in our in our data definition API, creating a table versus updating a table. We have similar ish data structures that are just different enough, and there's a lot of duplicated code around them. If and getting that into a single uh, shared code base would be a big help. You remembered. I do
2: remember. <laughs> Any other cues?
0: I'm not sure if this is
4: too technical, but um, Ernie talked about trying to like extract metadata from templates and I have messed around in the Action View code base a lot uh, from my work with uh, Curly. And basically what I basically wanted to do was to um, sort of refactor the entire view rendering process into sort of a two-step thing where you would actually, you know, let the the specific handler load the code and have an object that represents sort of the view or the template and you can ask it to render itself, but you can also ask it for metadata because we already do some kind of scraping in terms of uh, template digests that's used for tracking dependencies between templates for caching purposes. And that's also basically trying to scrape out stuff from the template and it's sort of dirty. And it would be great at least for like curly, uh, we would quite easily be able to supply metadata in a more structured form without resorting to that stuff. So it would be great if that could be like a two step thing and then maybe even isolate each template from each other so you wouldn't be able to like pass around state by assigning instance variables because that's sort of ugly and it makes implementing stuff really difficult. It would be nice to be able to pass that around as natural object. I'm not sure if that's like completely out of the question or something you would think about.
2: Yeah, if we could do so, if we could have an object that just represented the locals that you wanted to pass to a particular template, that would help out a lot. But I mean, we can't kill Ivars, though. Well, no, no, we don't kill. You don't kill Ivars. Ivars stay exactly the same. The main the problem is that you can say like render local or render template, and then you can do colon locals, and you can pass a hash, and the hash can be whatever you want it to be, and it's decided at runtime. You could even have like when a request comes in you could generate a random number of locals and send it off to a template. Mm-hmm. And since people, can do, since people can do that, it's very difficult for us to cache that stuff. So a template couldn't really provide metadata that would be useful for us because we need to have that metadata. Well, I might be saying that wrong. Okay. A template could provide metadata to us, potentially, and we could use that, but we need to be able to get that information uh, before runtime. So yeah, because exactly. those because those locals those locals can be determined at runtime, that screws everything up. Yeah. But if we could say there was a one particular object, like if you want to pass locals to a, to a template, you construct this object that has all of your stuff in it, and then you'd have to call methods on that thing. So essentially inside your template you'd have to say, you know, locals.mylocal. Locals.foo, locals.bar, locals.baz. That makes sense?
4: Yeah, I think it's already available as a hash. I think it's called locals, right? Yeah, it is. And yep. there's even like local question mark method, right? But the problem is that you also make it available as actual locals, right? Yep. But yeah, if you change the API in that way, of course, it'll break a bunch of templates, right? But it would make it a lot easier. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, but we, we can't make a breaking change that big.
2: Yeah, we can't. unfortunately, I can't make a breaking change like that. Yeah. I'd, love I'd love to. I'd love to.
1: <laughs> how I'm, I, I I'm a little lost. I've got to ask. Like, how does it differ from how does doing locals dot foo and locals.bar differ from just doing foo.bar? Like, well, if you could just delegate method missing to locals, right? How, like, what's the difference here? Well, I guess it's we could not,
2: delegate method missing. <laughs> no, you can't delegate. Well, because that'd can't. be
1: slow. Would be the
0: difference, actually. Okay, well, you sure. can't
2: you can't delegate to method missing because there's a difference between method calls and and local lookup. Like, you couldn't do. An assi- assignment too, assignment, right? Because you, assi- you can assign yes. inside of a template. Yes.
1: Oh yes, you can.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: But anyway, if it were a single thing, then we then we wouldn't have to worry about actually assigning them as local variables. There's always just the one local variable, or even the method that you access the locals object. Is, is right. What, is,
2: sure. Yeah. yeah. If you're always if you're always accessing the data through that one locals object, then we can we're free to compile because we could say essentially any locals that are inside this template we're were done by you. They were not passed in through anything else. Right. So, I mean, I'd love to get to that point. I just don't know if we could make a breaking change like that. Sorry, have you
4: considered just unifying instance variables and locals? Because it seems to me that it's weird that depending on how a template is being called, it's either an instance variable or a local variable when I just only use instance variables. And then you can sort of mutate the view object before actually calling the view method.
0: I'd rather always use locals.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, basically, if I understand you correctly, you're saying just switch everything to IVARs. No, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, if we switched everything to IVARs, I think it would get super messy. I like, ha- I like having locals, and honestly, I like even better the idea of just passing an object around that responded to some methods. Mm-hmm. I think that's even more clean. In fact, that's one thing that we like to do at work. Oh, I'll use a, actually, I'll use a nice uh, buzzword here. You can use a presenter. <laughs> <laughs> You pass a presenter in, right. and you're like, call some methods on that thing.
1: We've been trying to do that on our code, like, where you get to the, like, one instance, you get one instance variable, so you've got to wrap everything up in a nice object. Yeah,
0: but I, I also even take it a step further. I don't ever use instance variables. I just uh, do memoized helper methods basically all the time on the controller object.
1: Interesting.
2: I'm okay with the IVARs. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just bug me. I don't know. They feel. We- they've always felt weird. Thank you. That was a good question. I appreciate it.
0: There, there was one point, though, um, that, that, that I wanted to expand upon for a minute, which is just the, you know, like, this is a, a big API change, and one of the things that, that that I'm hoping to start doing with ActiveRecord is really, really splitting it out into, uh, internally, we have the model layer, the repository layer, the, the query building, and then the uh, database interface layer. And it, uh, it, once we do that, because I, I think we really need to start exploring alternative query building interfaces but i don't think I, I think what we do not need is rails 2 3 to rails 30 all over again so if we can really make it super simple to swap out just that layer without throwing out the rest of active record we can then start exploring other query builder interfaces swap those in i don't know if that means getting rid of relation as well or not yet but like what do you think about that i think it sounds hard yes <laughs> it, you have a question there
4: you go Hey, uh, just uh, has there ever been or do you foresee ever a node I.O. uh, scenario in our community? Uh,
0: Kind of this forking of based on disagreements in the core. I don't think it would ever gain the momentum that Rails has if that happened.
2: Yeah, I don't see it. I don't think so. No. I mean, besides... (laughs) I, I think the po- I think the core team is pretty good. Like, I don't think we're gonna have too many disagreements beside too many disagreements that would like divide us so hard that we have to fork. Although I do admit that finding out about new features at the keynote at RailsConf annoys me a little bit. Right. I mean, the,
0: the, the core team's good. Yes.
2: Yes. So no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that would ever happen. In my opinion. No. Any other questions? Come on. It doesn't have to be technical. It could be about the. Cat game. (laughs) All right. Yes.
1: Yes. Back Back for more. Uh, Do you love your cats equally? Oh. Oh.
2: (laughs) That's a good question. Oh my God. They're not going to listen to this podcast. It's okay. I can't believe somebody. No, but my wife might.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do the cats like you or Ebby more?
2: It depends. Okay. Don't let them dodge the question. All right. No, 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 Let's, you know what? Let's let's just, we'll get this out out here, right? Oh, it's happy hour. <laughs> so we got the one cat, Gor- Gorbachev. We got the, him first. And then my wife was mad at me for spending too much time with the cat. She wasn't, it wasn't because she was jealous of him. Like she was happy with the time we were spending together. She wanted to spend more time with the cat. And I, she felt like I was hogging him. Mm-hmm. So she decided that we should get a second cat except that she didn't sell it to me that way. She sold it to me as, oh, he needs a friend, and so we should get a second cat as the other cat. So we got the second, like, we were looking through other cats, and I'm like, I love this one. And she actually didn't like, so the other one, Choo Choo, she doesn't like her at all. My wife doesn't like her at all. (laughs) Not at all. She only got her because she wanted me to spend more time with Choo Choo and not with (laughs) Gorbachev. So ah.
1: Poor Choo Choo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, so she, okay, I like them both. I like them both a lot. Although I like her, I like I like them both for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like real children. This is this is the
1: same conversation. Well, I like I like, Choo, I like I <laughs> like Choo Choo because other than the choosing them from a
2: store, but sh- she's she's. <laughs> It's I think it's hilarious because she's bas- she's ridiculously needy but only needy to me. She does not care about my wife whatsoever. Well, she feels but, she feels that coming from your wife, as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. So as soon as I as soon as I wake up, she starts following me around my <laughs> apartment. Like I go take a shower, she's like, oh, I got to be in there. What's going on?" Is there, is there <laughs> time. When I'm programming, boom, there. All the time. And I think it's I think it's pretty adorable. Gorbachev doesn't give a shit. He's like Whatever. I don't care about you. I'm a cat. I do whatever I do whatever I want to. So I don't actually like that. I like spending time with my cats, you know. Okay. So it's choo choo. Well, accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so the one the one bad point about her is you can't pick her up. If you pick her up, she gets super pissed. Like you pick her up, it's really it's actually really, really hilarious because she doesn't like swat at you or anything like that. She just acts like she's going to die <laughs> she holds still like like the, sorry i guess the, i guess the people who are listening can't see me but i'm basically holding I, i'm holding my hands up and then making this face like i'm dying like, <laughs> we actually are on
0: video so if you want to see this you can go oh, get the video
2: anyway so anyway so she just acts like she's gonna die and she does not like being picked up at all. And she doesn't run around or anything when you pick her up. She just holds completely still but goes like, Ehh. Gorbachev, he loves being held. You mm-hmm. can hold him and, like, he's just super happy. So this is why I'm saying there's, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's different
1: you reasons. love them but, each for different reasons. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Any other questions? <laughs>
2: Why are we trying to encourage questions? So, does this mean if we're done sooner, don't we, don't we get beer? Sooner? No, it doesn't no, work. No, they, anyway. oh.
0: They're not starting the happy hour just for us, as much <laughs> as we'd like to think, as much as they should be.
5: So, you mentioned you hope that more companies will be able to invest uh, in open source contribution. And you've been able to do a lot of this work, a lot of measuring work, and that kind of thing. For a lot of us, that's not like an everyday reality, so we aren't measuring things. So two questions. One would be, uh, for the average Rails developer, what would you wish that they were more aware of regularly? So like, what are the things that you're seeing the average Rails developer do that you wish they wouldn't? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, if we wanted to get into measurement, if we wanted to get into diving into performance and trying to... I don't know, do the things that you are doing, basically, uh, but on a smaller scale, kind of... Uh, if a company isn't investing fully in that, but instead allows us to do five hours of it a week, how can we move past just submitting bug fixes and into what you're talking about?
2: Sure. Good questions. Let's see. Uh, first one, things I wish Rails developers would do. And I'm going to say... so. I think this is kind of interesting, and probably what I wish that Rails developers would do is to learn Rails. Yeah. I'm people. Here, people here are laughing, but I'm totally serious. Like I work with, I have worked in the past with a lot of people who Rails is their day job, right? They're just doing this to like pay their bills and do whatever. Like Rails is big enough. We're at the point where it's like this is just corporate job, right? Mm-hmm. What I really would like is more people going to conferences like like here. Unfortunately, I can't say like, hey, you guys should go to conferences because you're already at a conference. (laughs) (laughs) But I wish that more people were going to conferences and educating themselves on the framework because like a lot of the code I'll see is just stuff that's like, well, actually Rails already has a built-in thing to do this. You Mm -hmm. didn't need to do all this work that you did. And if you had known about how to use Rails better then. We could have just eliminated a whole bunch of work. Do you, so. think those are,
1: do you think those are discoverability problems, though? Like, some of it is just it's really hard to discover this
0: stuff. We do have a lot of APIs, and we can only expect you to memorize so many of them.
1: I mean, I'm sure there's also the other part, right, where it's, like, paying the bills and this is how I thought I should do it.
2: But. Well, I think some of it is that if you're working on a legacy legacy Rails application, like, let's say... For example, one of the apps that I've seen started out at like I think Rails 1 something and is all the way upgraded to 4.2. We actually got it upgraded. It's passing tests. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think what some of the problems were is that as they're upgrading or as they're upgrading and going through all the different versions uh, developers on the team didn't re-educate themselves and so mm-hmm. knew it, the latest version of Rails. They just, like, did whatever they possibly could to get it working on the latest version and didn't, like, re-up their skills. And then
1: cargo-culted stuff from when they were doing it back exactly. in 2, Exactly, yes,
2: yes, exactly. So, I mean, okay, so. even if you did... I think that even if you did something as basic as, like, when you upgrade Rails, any major upgrade, like 2 to 3, 3 to 4, or whatever... Go through the basic tutorials and just build a stupid website just from scratch, yeah. right? You don't yeah. need it. Just build the build the basic one that's in the Agile Web Development book, right? Just build that application and then see like how is this different than the style that we're using today?
0: I think another thing that can be helpful, especially if you're ultimately um, interested in getting more involved, one of the things I started doing before I actually started heavily contributing was just over time I found myself source diving more and more and going to Stack Overflow less and less. And part of that just is the quality of a lot of of some Stack Overflow answers, and things got outdated. And it might also say something about our docs at times. But like, you gain a a cursory familiarity, and then if if it is ultimately statement about our docs and that there's improvements, then then, hey, once you have a better understanding of this this method, then now great, and you can help us improve our docs, and we would really appreciate that. The thing is, though, I don't
2: necessarily know if it's a problem with our documentation because actually, pretty much all of our methods are documented. It's just discoverability like you're saying is like how do you formulate the question you're like I need to do this thing which is fairly nebulous how do you google for that in right.
0: Haskell we have a thing for exactly that called Hoogle, Hoogle? I'm uh, not kidding it is an actual thing you say
1: the types that you have and the types that you want it's and like, here are all the methods f- that go from this type to this type that's awesome yeah,
0: that's yeah. pretty awesome, <laughs> that's <really> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the coolest things ever
2: <laughs> okay so what was the other what was the other part of the question the other question if you're wanting to get started,
5: uh, which I think he's stuff. started yeah. Yeah. I'm talking a little bit about that. But
0: yeah. uh, let's see. I mean, are you looking for like low-hanging fruit or easy places to jump into the code base or more general advice?
5: I feel like, I feel like what Aaron is saying is a call for people to stop doing the low-hanging fruit as much, maybe. Uh, yes. Like, so not so much just fixing bugs, but actually improving like the fundamental nature of the code. Right. So right. I
2: think, I think the, main, the main problem with improving the fundamental nature of the code is that I don't think it's possible to do it in short amount, short spurts. Like if you only, mm-hmm. have, if you only have a few hours per week or whatever, I, don't, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, think about the projects that you work on at work, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Could you do those things and could you keep your mind focused on solving that particular problem Making sure that you have a good code base if it was only you know a few hours here and there right. i don't I don't think you can I
0: think you can make steps towards it. You might not actually end up rearchitecting anything on the scale of like the new type system, but you can definitely you can definitely take smaller steps. I think it's just coming back for more than one or two commits is the biggest one and then uh, and then just having a uh, having an emphasis when you do come back on like I want to leave this file slightly better than it w- uh, in slightly better shape than it was
2: mm-hmm. before I got here. I mean, you might get to the point where you're studying the code well enough that you're like, oh, you know, Rails really needs a identity mapper, for example. Oh. Please no. <laughs> That's been tried. I, I'm just <laughs> saying, as, as an example, you're like, I think that this, this re-architecting would be really great and we should do that. Except that you don't have the time to do it. Right. So. Right.
5: Or it would take you too long. Too long. long. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Any other questions? All right. So in classical MVC, uh, the view layer typically is an actual object, not just a template. Uh, And in Rails, typically we get around that by building a presenter object, right? That's either rolling your own or there's several third-party libraries uh, that you're using for that. Are there any chances of something like that coming into Rails at some point?
2: uh, I mean, form objects
0: are kind of as close as we're ever going to get, I think.
2: You know, templates technically are objects.
0: (laughs) That is true. In Rails. You can't subclass it, though.
2: Why not? You can? I don't
0: you know. Sure? Can you?
2: I think it's just a class.
0: If I add methods to it, will I actually change the behavior of my template?
2: If you add them in the right place, I think so, yeah. Okay. They're just not exposed to anybody. We, then let's expose them. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll probably never get real template objects. Yeah. We, we, we probably could. No. Okay. I'm not going to say that. You know, I retract that statement. We could have temple objects if we wanted to. It's just that um, we would have to do it in such a way that the framework behaves exactly the same as it does today.
1: What about introducing a presenter
2: layer somewhere? I don't believe in presenters.
0: Like, you literally do not think they're a thing that exists? I think it is
2: the (laughs) stupidest name in the world. It It is. It is just a delegate. You are delegating. Yeah. You, are, yeah. you are doing object composition and then putting a bunch of objects together and saying, like, hey, I'm going to call some methods on these other ones. It just annoys me.
0: All right. We're gonna, we've got a recurring trope here. Where do you put that? That file? That? The, your, yeah. the, your, your class that is delegating things, the delegator yeah. cl- object, where do you put that?
2: I put it on the file system.
0: Ah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. On the file system. <laughs> but, no, so I think... <laughs> I think that
1: the the presenter or, or whatever that thing that we talked about, like I said, like I like to build one object. Like I don't, I've never felt a need to have like a high level thing that does this automatically for me or like any sort of like I I don't even use a library for that type of stuff usually. But the form object thing I think is very interesting. Like I think that that's where something could improve a lot. That can improve my life a lot.
2: So I actually think storing them under okay, so storing them under a presenters directory or whatever is fine. You could store it wherever you want to. I just like it hurts me to the core to think that there is a presenter library <laughs> yeah cuz you can just let me tell you i will let me tell you my present i should make a presenter library it would be zero lines it would be like okay would it be simple
1: delegator yeah yeah. it would
2: be delegate class for performance reasons oh, okay. delegate class or just be like okay check this out do class my objects def initialize Oh, you just you want to monkey patch yeah, right, the object no no right Object, just write a class. Oh, Here's yeah.
0: Yeah, I gotcha.
2: Okay, what were we talking about? Uh, form, objects. We were, form objects. Yeah, we were going to get into yeah. form yeah. objects. Yeah, that would make form that, object you want to talk about device. a new feature
1: yes. that I think would be welcomed Is some sort of response to form objects and the ability to just forget that accepts nested attributes ever existed.
0: I mean, I think we're getting there, right? So we move the attributes API up to active model. We kind of start to get rid of act- the idea of the active model API in favor of objects with sane. Interfaces that have known methods and not underscore underscore send for everything. And then really, I mean, the problems that need to be solved are what? Bubbling up errors. If you're composing three different objects, mm-hmm. having all of the validations from those three and having them bubble up into the single parent, and then
2: but doesn't But doesn't that violate SRP? I mean, it depends Explain on your definition more. of SRP.
1: What is the responsibility? Like, what, what, are, what are the multiple responsibilities we're talking about?
2: I'm actually just bullshitting you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 Great. <laughs> I don't know. Form objects could help. Yeah, sure. All right, plus one. Next topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's also a library called Cells that you might want to look at that does some interesting stuff.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
1: With form object type stuff? Is this?
2: Really uh, no, no for, view, for view objects. View objects, yeah. Oh,
5: okay,
1: cool. One more question to anybody? You get the last word.
2: Fine. We've answered all the questions. No. I'm glad
1: you never have to answer another question again for the rest. Of your well, life.
0: except that we're about to go to a office hours thing and answer people's questions. <laughs> okay,
1: should we wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap up. Okay, what uh, are we wrapping the podcast?
2: Is it really a podcast if it's live?
1: Well, it'll also be a podcast. We're not. Uh, we're not but actually. These live microphones streaming. aren't like. There's no speakers. I'm we're speaker. recording. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What Ruining the internet one <laughs> podcast at a time. Yeah, this was <laughs> such a
1: good podcast until Aaron came on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm slash 13. Special thanks to our guest Aaron Patterson.
0: As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated.
1: If you want to give us feedback on this episode or any others, you can email us at hosts at bikeshed.fm or tweet us at underscore bikeshed. Thanks for listening to the bike shed, and we'll see you next time.